I knew it was going to be a good day when my undershirt became my outer shirt and it's got a pineapple on it. So <laughs> like that's when worship's good. Yep. A couple of new grandpas in the house. Matt Buer, congratulations. James Cullen out in the lobby. He became a grandpa, I think, over the weekend roughly, but the, the bearded man out in the lobby helps with security. So congrats to those guys. I know there's a lot of fun stuff going on, but... Uh, man, there's a lot of exciting things happening. We are meeting with builders at the time, as you can tell, while everybody was in here. It's pretty crowded. Um, and uh, we're meeting with a couple designers, and we're looking at expanding the sanctuary and uh, some, some future expansion for the next generation with a youth uh, portion of the building and a gym and different things like that. Uh, so, so it's exciting. We're, we're, we're implementing some new structure, new bylaws. We're, we're in the process of this, and uh, it's been really fun. But I'm excited to preach today because the structure is only a vehicle, whether that's organizational structure or even a building. It's only the vehicle. What matters is what's in the structure. What matters is what's in this vessel. Even, even in, the, in the New Testament, they talk about the outside of the vessel. The outside of the cup is polished. The outside of the tomb looks great. But the inside, it's empty. It's corrupt. It's all these things. So, so today, I believe it was a burning on the altar. I think this is a symbol that there is something burning here in, on the altar. And I'm excited to press into that today. And, and that what matters most to us is what's inside. And uh, so we're going to press into that, but a uh, quick story while some of the parents come back in here. We buy a little bit of time here. This is just a little bit of a buffer. Um, I was home Friday. Nicole and I, the kids were at school, and we didn't have too many plans. Uh, we had a CrossFit kind of open event that night and did a workout and some things. So I went to the gym with her a little early morning just to watch and, and hang out. We come home. It's around 3 o'clock, and uh, it's about 3.30. I was like, hey, the cat's out. We have this cat named Teeny. Our first year at our house, we went through seven cats. Nicole ran one over with the kids in the car. One met his destiny on the pavement in the road. Uh, he was beast. He was my personal favorite. Uh, we, we had some issues with coyotes, some foxes, some hawks. We, we, we have a, a plethora of events for the, the seven cats times nine lives, okay? Do the math. There was a lot of issues. But then Teeny came. Teeny's, Teeny's reaching his barn outdoor cat life expectancy of two years now, all right? Teeny's at the creek getting a drink of water. I was like, oh, Teeny's here. And Nicole says, Teeny comes out at the same exact time every single day, no matter if it's from the woods, the barn, or anything, because the kids get off the bus around 3.35, and he is out to greet them at 3.30 every day. Isn't that the coolest thing? I don't know why I'm telling you. It was just fun. I was like, that has no point whatsoever. And uh, another fun story uh, is I'm a volleyball dad, like straight up volleyball dad. I uh, got some girls in volleyball yesterday. Olivia's team won the silver medal in the silver bracket. Got a t-shirt. Uh, so I got the privilege of, of, of seeing her fight for first. While last weekend, while I was in Cleveland watching you guys online, uh, Chloe's team was fighting really hard for last place and they achieved it. They didn't win a single match the entire day. It was awesome. And I'm just as proud of both of them, just so you know. So, fun thing. So, so Chloe, uh, she looks beautiful, taking some pictures today. I never thought the day would come where our daughter's asking for each of our clothing to borrow, but also giving me uh, wardrobe advice. So, our 15-year-old, thank you. I had some swag on, and I got hot. So, I went over to her. I was like, is it okay and appropriate still if I can take my sweatshirt off? She's like, yeah, you're good, Dad. I was like, okay. So, she picked out my outfit today. All right. 
let's get into this thing. Last two weeks have been really fun. Steve started it on Valentine's Day to, to love well and, and going out and, and demonstrating and sharing stories how we really love well here and love our community well, love those around us well. Last week, Nicole's message was absolutely amazing. And if you missed it, you need to catch it online, podcast or something. Uh, and she talked about that God is worthy of love. Others are worthy of love, and we, I, am worthy of love, right? And then I, one of my favorite quotes I text her, it was, keep your gaze on him, then we'll view others as he views them. I, I, I love this, and, and, and Mike sent me something. He's like, gaze at God and glance at the world. And your glance at the world is going to be way different as we're gazing at God. Our, our viewpoint of others, our viewpoint of even those EGRs in our life, and those of you who are upper roomies, you know what an EGR is, extra grace required, right? The person working next to you, the, the person that was rude to you here, the person that gave you that look or that finger on the interstate because you did the wrong thing, you shouldn't have cut them off, all right? But those people need love, and you will view them different, and you will understand that their cry out, their, that, that issue is actually a deep-rooted thing for the earth that's moaning and groaning for the sons and daughters of God to manifest, and we'll begin to view that differently. So it's been awesome. So I'm just going to go just a little deeper today. She, she gave it out a little bit last week. I asked her what was on her heart. And um, by the way, she left her phone up here. I'll be honest. Today was the greatest offering ever. We got the most tithe envelopes than ever before and the most iPhones ever before. It's great. Can you catch? Good catch. <laughs> We don't carry insurance on our phones, so good job. Uh, but at any rate, I, I've been honestly just consumed for whatever reason in Matthew 24 for the last several weeks, just in love with Matthew 24. And Proverbs 1, I've been stuck on those two chapters just over and over and over, just reading and reading and reading. So today I'm actually just going to pour out my heart what the Lord's been working on me on. And, and there's this beautiful picture of heaven. There's this beautiful thing that we're being invited to, and I want to just share that with you. And man, if you're not yet in this party, today's your greatest invitation of all time, and it is a real party. <clears throat> Let's just get, get in here. As Jesus was leaving the temple, I'm just going to read a lot today. Is that cool? And we just, just kind of expand. I don't see where my heart and the Lord takes us here. But as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him in the various temple buildings, but he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not, not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will this happen? What sign will signal your return in the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many, I want you to listen up here. I feel it's fitting that the Lord's been putting this on my heart for weeks, and now we're in this time. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains for more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. 
but the one who endures. Everybody say endures. endures. We're going to go on that word for a little bit here. Endures to the end will be what? Saved. The one who endures will be saved. And the good news, everybody say good news. About the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. We're going to skip down to verse 30. Then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he, he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know the summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near and right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings. And I think Nicole mentioned it and used the word world, right? Right up to the time Noah entered his boat, people didn't realize that this was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That this is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. It goes on to say, and part of the beginning of this is basically two men will be in a field. One will be taken up, one will be left. Talks about a nursing mother, other things. Then we get down to verse 45. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibilities of managing his other household servants and finding them. If the master returns to find that the servants has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, this master will put the servant in charge of all he owns. But But if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while, he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, I just want to say this. This is good news. This is good news to those who believe, right? But heaven is real as much as hell is real, and hell is real as much as heaven is real. So so I, I want to just offer this as an invitation. Like, this is the greatest news on the planet for us who have said yes to Jesus. And it is the greatest news on the planet for those of you who are about to say yes or watching online or, or those, those pre-believers. They're one encounter from God's goodness, his kindness, his power, his love, from being invited into the greatest banquet and party that there's ever been for eternity. And, and I, I want to just elaborate on this a little bit, but endure. Let's, let's go to that word endure. This is fun. And I want to focus on verses 13 and 14. Bad things are going to be happening. But it says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then in 15 or 14, it mentions, and the good news about the kingdom will be what? Preached everywhere. Let, let, let me continue on. Endures. This is from the word hupomeno, okay? And it's to hold one's ground in conflict, bear up against adversity, hold up under stress, stand firm, persevere under pressure, and wait calmly and courageously. It is not a passive resignation to fate or mere patience or chance, but the active, energetic resistance to defeat that allows calm and brave endurance. 
Endure is not this passive position, right? There's a difference between abiding in his presence and striving for his presence. Endure is this thing to where we expectantly await, but we're waiting with anticipation in an actual assignment, right? It's this thing that where we're actually pushing into his presence, we're pushing in to his goodness, and then all of a sudden we get to just receive. We get to endure. It's this beautiful picture. It's an active persistence rather than a passive restraint. It's this thing to where it's this beautiful invitation for us just to be in his presence. Man, I'm excited for today. I'm excited to explore what heaven's gonna look like and how we can experience heaven to earth. Verses 15 through 30, it talked about the return, all right? 31 through 50, the days of Noah. God is going to do something he's never done before. When people least expect it. This is going to be this beautiful thing that, that we are readying ourselves like a beautiful bride. We are preparing ourselves for our groom to return for us, right? And we know it's happening. We just don't know when. I love that. Listen, I, I'm not an expert in eschatology. Andrew, he's, he's in Kansas City now. He is an expert in eschatology. eschatology. He is an expert in the rapture and, and tribulate and all that stuff, right? And we've heard him speak on it. He gets so wild and crazy and excited to speak on it. I only know this. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be eternal glory. It's going to be this place where I get to see the manifestation of the fullness of Christ that I'm going to get to see my creator face to face. I just know it's going to be amazing. I, I, I don't have all the details, and I used to joke around and get so like, I don't know, almost annoyed because I don't know much. It's, it's like all I know is we're closer today than we were yesterday. I know some people get really consumed and they're excited to learn about it. I just know I get to see my Savior. I just know I get to see the, the creator of the entire universe. I get to see the one who is majestic and, and worthy of all praise of all the world for eternity. I get to see the one that's worthy of all worship and bowing down to and submission and praise. I get to spend the rest of my eternal life with a savior who loves me and saved me and redeemed me and set me free. That's what I do know. Let's, let's go to Matthew 25 here. We're just continuing on. Everybody say oil. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like the bridesmaids who, take their, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were wa- foolish did not take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the others, other five were wise enough to take a long extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, the, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were aroused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going to run out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to, go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you, so you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. I want to talk about the oil, and I want to talk about the lamps in just a moment, but let's go to Leviticus 6. We're going to lay some foundation here, and then, then close the deal. Is that cool? Is that if we worship a little bit more at the end? 
Leviticus 6, it's instruction to Aaron. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar until the next morning, and the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. In the morning after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off the garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. Meanwhile, everybody focus on this. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. I believe the Lord is calling us to put some, some wood, some, some fresh things on our altar, on his altar. And it says this, he will then burn the fat of the peace offering on it. What's fat turn into when it's heated and burnt? Oil. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Listen, I have this bottle of cologne here. This bottle, cool water, was given to me by my lovely wife at 18 years old. It even says tester on it because she worked at this little department store called Stage, formerly known as Almonds. If you guys are in here who are wiser, might remember that. It went out of business and a Kohl's was built in its place in Troy, Ohio. She was working there, they went out of business, they sold all the testers and she bought one for me. And, and this has lasted me since I was about 18 years old. And it was a tester when she got it. I don't know how full it was. It's only on special occasions, not to be used during deer season or any hunting season. <laughs> and I only have two colognes that I usually wear, Geo and Cool Water. These are the Nicole-approved fragrances. Her mom recently asked us, she's probably watching online, but she recently asked us like this thing to fill out to know her kids and grandkids. So it was like favorite things, favorite food, favorite flower, I put poison ivy just to mess with, oh crap, I'm giving it away. <laughs> favorite drink, I put tequila, just kidding. <laughs> Sparkling water, just mess with you a little bit. Anyway, uh, and then I, it said favorite, favorite scent or fragrance, I put Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't wait for her to read it, but now she just heard it. Anyway. This is cool water, all right? And, and in this is a very expensive cologne. I have no idea what they run because I've never bought cologne since I was 19, 18 years old. So, so in this is an expensive cologne, maybe 50 bucks, 100 bucks, I have no idea. But the, the, the vessel, the vase actually has no value, no worth whatsoever. If I use this empty and it's gone, this, this, this bottle has no value, has no purpose. I'm not gonna refill it with water and use it for something else. I'm not going to put my deer pee in this and try to attract deer. It will have the scent of the other. But without it, without the vessel, the, the, the cologne does nothing. It goes nowhere. It's, it's, there's a purpose of structure, and so I'm not denying the purpose of structure. A river bank keeps the river flowing. A sandbox walls keeps the creativity and freedom in the sand in the box, right? So there's purpose of this. The problem is we can get distracted by these fancy things like the temple or tabernacle and forget the very purpose of it was to host the presence of Jesus. We can get enamored by, by the look and the buildings and, and the things and the structures and be so consumed by that that we forget the very point of the essence of the structure in the first place was to house the very thing that was meant to go in it, Jesus. Let, let me just say this, the temple was not the main event, Jesus is the main event. 
the church building is not the main event. Sunday service is not the main event. Jesus is the main event. Jesus is the very essence, the oil that burns in the lamps. Jesus is the oil that burns on the altar, that burns in our heart. Jesus, his very presence, his spirit, his very essence of who he is, is the main event. Let me, let me use this analogy. I believe that there is a significance. And so honestly, for two years, like what is the wineskin? What is the wineskin? I wanna figure out the wineskin. No, Jesus right now is communicating to us and teaching us, focus on the wine. The wineskin will form around the wine. Let, let, me, let me just reword that a little bit. In the old days, and when the Bible talks about a wineskin, I used to picture this, this jar. It's actually an animal skin. And if you remember, I've preached on this many times. As it would ferment, the stitching and different things would give way and let the gases naturally out that needed to be out. And then all of a sudden, it would expand like a balloon. And then when the wine was ready, you'd pour it out and it would be in that fixed balloon position and hardened. And you could never use that wine skin again but you would continually use that wine because there was fruit from that season. So, so a lot of times we wanna just throw it all out. No, God loves the structure. God loves the wineskin, but he is the wine. We, we can get so fixed on this. So as we continue to look at building a new building, it means nothing if Jesus isn't here. It means nothing if we're not hosting his presence and ministering to his heart first. A gym means nothing if Jesus isn't there. We can go to the YMCA for that. It was supposed to initially have Jesus in it. Read the book Mission Drift, you'll figure it out. I don't mean to slander anybody. I can go to Cracker Barrel and get a good meal and not worry about Jesus. I want to come here and taste and see that he's good and be real. This Jesus took a 17-year-old that was suicidal, that was messed up. He took a, a, an alcoholic that didn't even want to live anymore. And about 15 years ago, radically encountered me to where I no longer was going to get divorced, that I wanted to live because I found something to die for. That's the Jesus in me now. That's the oil that I want to keep burning. And I want to come in fresh daily like the priest had to. And I want to add fuel to that fire because he's an all-consuming fire. And everything in me, I want him to burn. And if it's not of him, I want him to burn it off and remove the ash. It's been a weird week at work. As you know, if you don't know, I'm a full-time firefighter, and it's just been some, some drama. Any workplace will have it. Because why? Because people are there. Any church will have it. People are there. Josh Haas says, church would be, pastoring church would be easy if people weren't there. <laughs> yeah, working at a place without people would be easy too. But there's people. We're imperfect. We need Jesus. Some need him more than others. Or at least bigger doses in this moment. But anyway, it's been hard. Harder for, for those in leadership and those fighting for passionate things right now. It's difficult times in different parts of the world, geez. But here's the deal. I'm leaving the gym and going to, to go to work, and, and I just I, I was processing Nicole's message. This was Monday or Tuesday, and I just began to shift from, from gym mode to, like, survive mode to now I'm a leader. <laughs> like, I'm going, nobody surviving this stupid workout. I don't know why I do it. My motivation to work out is not to look good, is not to get a PR. I want to walk my daughters down this aisle one day. And I want to toss grandbabies around. That's my motivation to try to stay healthy. But anyway, Amen. I'm walking to my car, and, and I just said, Lord, let my gaze be on you, and let my words be few. Sometimes I want to engage and get involved and, and add my input or fix things, right? As, as a man, as a husband, I want to fix things. So I've had to learn to ask the car, are you wanting me just to listen right now, or do you want my input right now? She's like, yeah, just listen. Okay. 
So I said, let my gaze be on you. Let my words be few. And then through the day, as I drove into work, I was like, man, that was really good. I'm going to journal that when I get to work. And then he added, and let everything, let, let, let every, let God, let me see. I might have to go to my journal. Let my gaze be on you. Let my words be few. And let them see in everything, let them see you in everything I do. That was it. Let others see you in everything I do. This is fresh. I've just started this, okay? Don't judge me. Let my gaze be on you. Let my words be few. And let others see you in everything I do. I told that to the kids Friday, and we began to say it. They're like, Dad, I like that. And I'm like, man, this is going to be every day for me because I want my gaze to be on him. Now, now let, me, let me get into something really fun here. Revelations 19, 11 through 17. I've got to cut to the chase here. Everybody say, land this plane. All right, that was the intro. Let me get to the body of the message here. I'm just kidding. I'm in my first of three closings. Then I saw heaven opened. Now this is going back to Jesus telling the disciples, this is what's going to happen, but nobody knows when, but you're invited to this party. Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire. On his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on the white... If this doesn't excite you... We have a team from Braveheart. I meant to recognize them at the beginning here. And uh, that's from Dallas, Peter Lewis's ministry. And, and some are from Cincinnati and some are Dallas. They're hanging out with us today. I, I don't even know why you're in the area, but she's like, we're going to come hang out with you guys. Six months ago today, Peter was here. And, and on that Saturday, he, he said this, this phrase. Let me, let me just tell you why I'm so addicted to this right now. He said this phrase. In our leader lunch, he says, have you ever, did you know there is a day coming where we will behold Jesus and we will hold him face to his face? And I'll be honest, I have never pondered that question or had that imagery or that, that hope. Let, let me get you straight. I've been saved. Okay, I promise. I've been pastoring here for officially 10 years, okay? I've been saved. But I've been so consumed by trying to get others saved and washed by the blood and cleansed of sin to get to the heaven ticket that I forgot the gaze of Jesus and one day I get to spend eternity with him. Partly my upbringing was it was mostly fear-driven, scaring the hell out of you rather than getting the love of the Father in you. So, so part of that, and with my own heart, received it as fear. I remember coming home from school one day. I was in third grade, Piqua. I went to McKinley Avenue Elementary School. Or wait. Favorite Hill Elementary School. We lived on McKinley Avenue, okay? And I remember coming home in third grade once, and my mom was supposed to be home, and she wasn't home. I was like, oh, the rapture happened? I got left behind. I call my grandma and grandpa, who are also pastors. They're not answering their phone. I run to their house like three blocks away. No one's there. My grandma and grandpa are always there at three o'clock in the afternoon. I run home. I'm so scared. I'm trying to figure this thing out. I've been left behind. So I'll be honest. When I got saved, I experienced the love and the power of Jesus. Totally. Totally consumed me. But I've not had this beautiful thought or, or this inherent thing in me that is looking forward to his return or my eternal upgrade. And when Peter said that, 
I became in love and I got this peace that no matter when he returns or I go home, that my family will be okay, my kids will be okay, my wife will be okay, and I get to behold the face of Jesus forever. Just think about that. All this will be behind us. All this chaos. Ukraine will be behind, all of it, everything. COVID-19 finally will be behind us. And we get to behold the face of Jesus forever. I don't even know where I was. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on the white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. In his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. We got a tattoo artist in the house, and I'm just saying that Jesus had a tattoo on his thigh, all right? Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky. Now, here's where the focus is today. Come, gather together, for the great banquet of God is prepared. He's saying, come. Come to the banquet. Listen, if he didn't want communion with you, he wouldn't have created you. I want to talk on worship and close officially. The band can come. I want to close with this because we get this invitation to worship the Almighty as heaven on earth before we get to behold him in heaven eternally. Let me just say this. Whatever we're beholding right now, we're becoming. And we get to behold the Messiah and become and hold him face to face. Nicole had mentioned it in some other language, but maybe we're beholding this or this or, or, or success and we measure it in a different way or, or money or faith, like all this stuff, right? If we're beholding that more than the Messiah, then we're becoming that. If we're beholding money and objects and material things, they fade away and we're going to become that. But there is something that never fades away, that will never rust, that will never decay. His name's Jesus. And when we behold him, we get to become like him. And then forever we get to behold him. Let me me carry on here. The Lord began to just speak to me early morning one day. He woke me up and he says, if you can't like worship on earth or if you don't like worship on earth, then what's the point of heaven? Now I'm going to invite you in to some possibilities that might help you appreciate worship because I think some of us have seen a tainted God. We saw a God of fear and not a loving father. We saw a God of hypocrites and maybe not a God of the authentic and the genuine and the real. We saw a God from a judgmental person condemning us of hell rather than someone inviting us into love and power. We saw maybe these different perceptions and personas of God that actually weren't God, they were man. We saw a God on the TV asking for money. We saw a God on the TV that was asking for money for this this anointing oil or this water or this precious cloth, right? At three in the morning. But we didn't see the God that's actually transforming lives and and making somebody have integrity and they act like who they are of Christ. Maybe they've been exposed to this God. They didn't even want to worship because he's not the God of the... (laughs) He's the God of the man, right? Well, believe this, do this. And then you're seeing that corruption. You're seeing that perversion. You're seeing that hypocrisy. You're not seeing that person live the same off the stage as you saw him on the stage. You're not seeing them live the same in the home as you saw him live out the home, counseling that person or helping that family. I've been there. Thought all this stuff was fake just to control man and make us act good. I became an atheist. 
because of seeing hurt and seeing my parents get rejected in a religion they left. They didn't leave Christ, they left a denomination. And at 12 years old, I just said, you know, if that's God, if that's the church, no thanks. Started drinking, started pornography at 12 years old. I wonder why I wanted to commit suicide several times at 17. Because I didn't yet have met a loving God. I was in my 20s before the first time I actually literally heard that Jesus loved me no matter what. I'm sure it was said, but when I heard it, when I felt it, when I knew it, it's in my mid-20s. Maybe you've not met that God. Many of us in worship, you know, we, we want the luxuries, but we're not really, we don't value the sacrifice. Philippians 3.10 words it like this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want the glory of the resurrection. Next part of that verse, really good. Christians are really good at quoting the first part. Like, wives, submit to your husbands. Oh, wait, you mean there's a latter part to that that says husbands treat your wives like Christ treats the church? Oh, there's all, like, right? The second part, it says, I want to suffer with him and share in his death. Like many of us, we, 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 want to, we want the glory of heaven, but man, there is sacrifice. You know it costs the cross. It costs blood. It costs the crucifixion to get us eternal glory in heaven with him. It came with a price. And sometimes when we just want to lift our hands, that's just a little bit of death to our pride, a little bit of death to the fear of man. Maybe coming up the front to do this, maybe something in you died. Let me just say this. When you picked your phone back up, if that was you, or whatever this is, you're never going to leave here the same. That's not going to be the same. Why? Because a living God did something today here. A living God who's powerful and almighty and all-knowing and loves the, he loves the crap out of you. Exactly. He loves the sin right out of you. That we want to worry about this, this, this vessel. We want to try to polish it and make it right. I heard somebody say, you need to go to church sinless as much as you need to be clean to take a shower. God will do it. I'm telling you from the inside out. I want to burn on the altar for him because I've tasted and seen that he's good. I've been at his banquet table and I've experienced a good, real, authentic, genuine God. Let, let, me, let me carry on here. Worship on earth is training and a piece of heaven for eternal heaven, glory, and worship. This is training. This is training. We get to do this forever and ever and ever, and it's never going to get old. And we think we get bored because worship went on an hour today. Oh, my gosh. They sang 45 straight minutes, and there was only three songs. They sing the same song over and over and over in heaven and they never stop and it never gets old. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it never gets old and no one cares what key they're in and no one cares that it never stops because he is that good because they've tasted and seen that he's good. Why don't you stand with me? There's these four living creatures in heaven that have eyeballs all around them. And they're fixed on Jesus in heaven. And they never take their eyes off of him because they don't want to. Because they can't, because he's 
so majestic. He's so amazing. I want to taste and see that he's so good that I never want to stop worshiping, that I never want to lose the gaze of him, that I never want to be putting fresh wood on the fire to burn daily. I want to be so addicted to Jesus because I've tasted and seen that he's that good and I never want to leave his presence. I want to be like those four living creatures with eyeballs. No matter where I turn, my gaze is on him. No matter where I go, if it's at the gym or the fire department or at church or in my family, in my home, I get my gaze on Jesus and I get to respond and flow from that realm because he's that good. He is that good. Maybe our worship would be deeper if our revelation of him was deeper. Maybe if we were more open to seeing, yes, he is still a healer. He still does raise the dead. He still does love me. He still does redeem me. He still does forgive me. He still does forgive the... <laughs> he is worthy. He is worthy and he is amazing and he never gets old. I begin to just open my Bible and I begin to see just how good he is. And I, I have this Bible that says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what that person did to me, no matter how I was abused as a boy, no matter what happened to me, no matter what I chose to do, no matter how long I was gone and away from him, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His mercy endures forever. His grace is more than sufficient than all needs. His blood still covers me. His love still redeems me. That's the gaze that I have because He alone is the main event. He alone is the oil that burns in me. He alone is the, is the oil that burns on the altar. Oh, man. I know it's time to quit, but I don't feel like quitting about bragging about my Father. I don't ever want to get old or, or get sick of bragging about my creator, my savior, my redeemer, the one who restored me and made me whole, the one that saved my marriage. Besides Jesus, I am more in love with Nicole than anything I've ever thought of. Before Jesus, I could not stand her. Because I couldn't stand myself. What I wrote on my phone was myself. What are you more in love with than God? Myself. Just to be honest with you, I don't expect anybody else to say what you wrote. I was more in love with myself and more in love with my flesh and more in love with lusting and more in love with alcohol and more in love with this selfish lifestyle than I was with Jesus that allowed me to be this terrible, abusive husband that created this awful man, but God, but Jesus. And suddenly, I'm just saying right now, I think there's an and suddenly moment. The plan has landed. There's an and suddenly moment right now and you're invited to this banquet and it's an eternal banquet. He created you for communion. He created you to be in awe of him, to be in fear of him and be in wonder of his majesty. That sounded weird. I said it wrong, but his majesty. You were created for this thing. You were created for such a time as this, not to pursue anything else but him. Bruce and I were talking recently in life. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning as a young leader. I want to grow things. I want to get people saved. I want, to, I want to do these things. I want to be an amazing husband. I want to be a great dad. I want to be the dad that my girls look up to and one day I want to marry a guy like him, right? And what I'm learning is the more I submit in humility to Jesus, the more that stuff comes better than when I was pursuing it in itself. 
the key. This is the key that unlocks the kingdom right now. Pursue Jesus. Submit to him. Everything else just comes. I don't, the invitation is this. What, when I said land a plane, what was that? Oh, and suddenly moment. And suddenly, there is a moment right here in a shift of time that on February 27th, 2022, that God is doing something. Today, this week was 2-22-22. There was something of covenant this week. There was something where the union of two were, was like astronomically increased, right? And it's God and you. Let me just say this. There is a moment right here that where we're just going to go recklessly abandon and worship and allow you the time to taste and see that he's good. Listen, come. The banquet's open. Come, the table's been spread and you're invited. You got, a, you got a seat at the table and it's a good table and we get to taste and see that the Lord's good. Let me pray for your hearts. Jesus, I thank you. Lord, let us be so overwhelmed by your goodness and presence we never wanna leave it. Lord, let us be in awe of you, Jesus. Draw us in, Lord, even if we don't have an appetite for you, Lord. Draw us in and taste and see that you're good. To your buffet of pleasure, to your buffet of goodness and power and love, Lord. Lord, let us taste and see that you're good. You are all-knowing, omnipotent, omnipresent. You are good. Jesus, let us draw near to you. Let us endure for you, Jesus. Ah. Oh. Just close your eyes. Just, just remember, there is a time coming where he is returning. But right now, we can behold him and we can see him face to face. Right now, in this moment, we can hold him and behold him. He is so good. He is so mighty. He is so beautiful. He loves you so much. Oh, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Here's what we're going to do. We're gonna open up the band. I'm gonna let Baylor just, just go wild on Jesus. And you can join in with him if you want, all right? Uh, I'm just gonna be honest. We're gonna open this area up and we're just gonna have a party. The Braveheart people are gonna go through and our ministry team people are gonna go through our prayer people. And if you want prayer, they're just gonna just gently pray for you. They're gonna lay hands on you. They're gonna prophesy over you, encourage you. If you need healing, just tell them. But we're gonna just wildly go after Jesus and have a party. Bless you guys. Let's, whew.